1: Welcome back to the Lime Podcast. My name is Aaron Alexander. Today's beautiful episode was with my friend, Mr. Brian McKenzie. This is the second or third or something time that we've had him on the podcast. Uh, He's tremendous. He is absolutely one of the world's leading experts on all things breath and I would say cold exposure as well. I think temperature exposure in general. Um, Super smart. He's worked with all the professional athletes. Um, Most recent book, Unplugged, with uh, Dr. Andy Galpin and Phil White, who's help me work on my upcoming Align book, which is very exciting. Uh, This conversation was post-cold plunge, post-sauna in his hotel while he's visiting in Los Angeles. And uh, it's really good. We get into all sorts of interesting wormholes I think you guys are going to enjoy. Thank you so much for checking out the website, alignpodcast.com, A-L-I-G-N podcast.com. On there, you can start the five-day movement challenge, break down a few fundamental movements that everybody really needs to have in their daily life I think for to have an optimally functioning body I know that's a big that's a big statement but there's some basic fundamentals that we all need to have Um, thank you so much for leaving reviews on iTunes and thank you to Cured for supporting this podcast with your CBD deliciousness Cured carries a really interesting kind of array of different CBD products ranging from uh, the things I really like is the seasonings I use the, the crap out of their seasonings so they have like roasted garlic herb and they have like peanut butter chocolate chip and just like it's it's super delicious i end up putting on on most everything um highly recommend checking them out go to cure nutrition.com use a line cover 10 percent off and give them a try they are affordable which is rare in the cbd space it's usually like just an exorbitant I'm out of money. I don't know how it gets so expensive. I'm sure there's a reason. Anyways, um, I'm in Costa Rica. I should, I'm going to, this is going to be awkward. I'm going to take the microphone out so you guys can listen to the sound of the cicadas. There's like doing cicada season or however that works. And it's crazy. It's like the sound of a concert. Listen to this. I'm doing a yoga teacher training uh, for a month. And I'm out here in the jungle. Check that out. Woo. I don't even know if you can hear that, but it's like, it's crazy. Um, I hope you guys love this, this conversation. Thank you guys for the people that have purchased the Align Method Online program. That's amazing. Appreciate that. Um, thanks, folks, for grabbing the Align band um, and all that. All that can be fine in Align podcast. Here we go. Back to the shizzy. Brian McKenzie. Pow. Align
0: podcast.
1: Oh, you got the shittier chair now.
0: No, it's all right. I, I screwed, My you. Knees I screwed, actually I screwed you in the chair situation. My knees actually don't fucking fit inside this one. Oh
1: perfect. Alright, yeah. we worked so out. So I one. actually
0: got the better chair. You got the better chair for it, it you. Lo-
1: we got the individual chair.
0: Well I mean we'll see what you think. Oh dude I'm in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah you I'm, jammed I'm in. Right in. You're a little more flexible I'm f- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Dude, what does your training look like anyway? What's your like momentary Fuck. fitnessing? Um Can I drink water with a straw? I feel like there's some it's like you don't have to little, but it's fancy.
0: I mean, we're in a semi-fancy place. That's true. It's not really that fancy. Yeah, I mean, it was like a hundred bucks here. Oh, <laughs> good.
1: It looks like it was at least 110. Wow.
0: <laughs> it was
1: 108.
0: Okay. Right. Here, right here. Based on my deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, what does actual training look like for you?
0: Um, usually wake up in the morning and then I do some breath work, just standard, which is like moving stuff around, moving air around, moving my gut around, Um, whether I'm doing a pranayama or I'm doing some sort of, you know, like whim-esque thing, um, or I'm doing some CO2 or O2 tables. Mm. It just depends on where I'm at that day and what I'm feeling and how I feel. And Mm. that's how I typically start. Then immediately after that, and I will – Two or three days out of the week, I'm doing some brain training stuff. So I'm doing some peak brain. Or I've got... I'm doing... uh
1: You're still doing that? That was like two years ago I saw you doing that. Yeah. Wow. Fuck. I love All right.
0: It, dude. Cool. Like, like, there's nothing that can get me higher focus than when I'm doing breath work and that training. Wow. And then that stuff... Like, I did it yesterday morning. I still feel the residuals of it. Like, the focus the, you know, the attention to things that's going on. Um, that we were, there were, there were like, you know, there's dead spots with norm sometimes, um, yeah. especially with the concussion. Like I, I only got back into it in the last six months. Um, I actually reached back out to, uh, Dr. Andrew Hill about it. And he was like, I'll send you my personal unit. Um, let's get your brain scanned first. And you know, we can definitely help. Dope. And dude, it was like, it, it helped with b- with the breathing um, and the aerobic training specific aer- like low aerobic training I was doing and the and the peak brain stuff, that was the f- stuff that did the biggest changes for my concussion hmm. which was the biggest ass kicker of this ent- of that, that entire injury. Hmm. Yeah, even though I fucking was paralyzed.
1: <laughs> like, what was the circumstance of the paralyzation? I still did not even ask you about it. All right, well, <laughs> 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 it's incredibly rude. <laughs> I was like, How's your neck? You're like, oh, it's good. I'm like, okay, moving on. It's right. good. The ice guess he, guess he doesn't want to talk about it. All right. <laughs> no, I just,
0: it, it's, uh, I, so I was playing, I was um, playing tag with my nephews on the playground. And I was on the bottom and my nephew came after me and I ran up a ladder. And at the top of the ladder, there was a gap and it was a gap probably from the ground. It was probably about three or four feet, and a little kid could fit in between there and get to the plank that went across the top of the jungle gym. I didn't see that top bar, and I kept going up, and I went straight into it, and it compressed the spine. Whoa. And I went lights out at about eight feet up and flipped off and landed on the ground, and I was paralyzed. Whoa. Yeah. And so I I woke up, and... I came to and I was just like, zzz, I was like, whoa, what the fuck's going on? It's weird out right now. And I'm like, I can't breathe. And I'm like, I can't, Why? I, I, I'm like looking with my eyeballs and I'm like, I can't move my hands. Oh shit. And I was just like, okay, deep, slow, controlled breaths right now. No hyperventilating. And I was just like, and I, I, I kind of just assessed the situation <clears throat> Figured out I was paralyzed, like came to the terms with it. And I was like, all right, you got, you got like, <laughs> I know trauma. I know what trauma is. So I can either choose, I can choose the route right now. And my wife, Aaron had not arrived. She was at the playground, but she had not seen what had happened. Um, and the kids thought I just did some backflip off the thing. And they weren't even really, there. they were just like, I'm like, no. And so I yelled at my, I'm like, get Aaron, get Aaron now. Um, and she came over and I'm like, babe, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm paralyzed, and I explain what happened. and She's like, okay, okay. I'm like, uh, call the paramedics. Anyway, fire fire guys were literally down the street, were there within five minutes, had me strapped up. Within 10 minutes, I started getting extreme pins and needles in the hands, um, and I the, the EMT indicated that I understood what that meant, but the EMT also explained it, and he's like, I think you're going to be okay, but... <laughs> don't take my word for it as he cut off all my clothes and like fucking strapped me in and put everything on. And, um, 40 hours later, I got my legs back. I had my hands back within like, you know, uh, my hands and arms back within like probably a couple hours. Um, totally. Um, and you know, after scans, all that stuff, it was a con- it was a contusion, but, um, I was not really aware of the, f- I didn't come to turn. I didn't correlate the fact that I had a, a TB, uh, mild TBI. Mm. I did, ha- I had a concussion and it was actually star at who's like, you know, it's pretty interesting. Everybody's talking about this paralyzation you had and, uh, nobody's, nobody's talking about the brain. Nobody's damage. fucking talked about what happened to your brain. And I, I had to go to, um, they, they didn't want to release me. They wanted to actually do emergency surgery there. They wanted to do a disectomy, uh, because the, it, it was compressed, it was pressing on the spinal cord, like, they were just like, dude, this is like, this, we operate on this 100% of the time, and I'm like, well, I've, my wife works at Stanford, I have Stanford healthcare, and they're like, oh, okay, so, you know, and I'm like, they're like, we can't release you until you basically can, you know, walk out of here, mm-hmm. so you're gonna have to show that, and so that was what I had to do in order to get out of there, and then I, I through uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman I got connected to one of the top surgeon neurosurgeons at Stanford and uh, called him literally on a Sunday on the way home and he took my call and was like can you come in on Tuesday and, and see me and he saw me at 8am and he's like yeah we we operate on this and he's you know was pretty assured that I was going to be okay but I also cool. brought up I'm like so do you think I have a concussion and he just looked at me and he goes oh yeah <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. and how
1: did that change your perspective on how fast everything get taken away?
0: That was, uh, <clears throat> I, it actually came, I came to terms with it that night. I actually wrote a post. I read it. I, yeah. I, I wrote out something that when I, just,
1: I saw the I saw the picture of it. I was just like, I had that with Aubrey recently as well. The car accident yeah. I had like the whole stomach turned over the whole thing.
0: Yeah. I, I I was I was I was at peace with it pretty quick. Now that wasn't a li- I'm not a lifetime paralyzed either, yeah. right? Like so, I mean, am I lucky? I don't I don't know. Um, I, I don't you know I I, I realized that I was going to have a new game to play. So, but you know, I mean, that that was just it. And so, I think the concussion was the toughest thing because I have never dealt with depression in my life and i didn't understand waking not wanting to wake up in the morning i didn't understand not feeling good about what i wanted to do that day i didn't understand any of that i've never had that
1: and like, you had that with the concussion oh yeah whoa yeah
0: that hit it hit me like a fucking ton of bricks wow yeah and i was like fuck like i i was just like oh this sucks all right one foot in front of the other life su- like this sucks right now but you can't feel sorry for yourself you got to go do something what are the things you can do? Reached out to Andrew Hill. I, started, I got on my bike, my stationary bike with my fucking neck brace on and just started riding my bike and started moving blood. Like started doing everything I could. My breathing got more in depth with my breathing. Like I was just like, all right, do what you can. And, and you know, it was I, – I think it was probably a little more than a month ago, the concussion – really subsided like it was like and i was like i haven't like it's well over a month at this point where every day i wake up i'm like fuck yeah let's rock
1: <laughs> yeah you Listen. seem the, like i said like you seem the best i've seen you
0: oh thank you yeah yeah but i you know i so i wake up i do the breathing i get do the peak crane stuff and then i literally as i'm going through that stuff and i'm meditating i figure out what it is i want to do like I, I really figure out like, oh, do I want to get on my bike right now or do I want to do yoga first, you know, and then I'll either do one or the other or I'll, you know, I, I typically won't do super high intense work in the morning anymore. I just, I, I've just, my body just doesn't feel that great when I do it. It better in the afternoon. I feel much better if I'm doing more high intense work. Yeah. Um, and I got way back into yoga as we were talking about earlier. Um, last six months I've been, deep into it and I just don't feel right if I don't do at least like 15 to 30 minutes in the morning. That's yeah, like tending, tending to the garden. Yeah. real, Totally. 100%. And then, you know, and now the with keep growing. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah man. And, and now with my understanding of, of, of resp, you know, respiration as it works with the body beyond what, you know, I, I ever got in any yoga class, you know, yep. it's like, Oh, I've read a few books on, you know, real, Breathwork and yoga, and like really explored the depths of these things, and you know, for for, to a large degree, and then you know, understanding it from the way we do at this point, from a physiological level, and you know, the psychological side of things, and all of that has just like exacerbated everything I'm doing. So Mm -hmm. now it's like, I I mean, I I probably train in the vicinity of two to three hours a day, but that training involves yoga. That training involves breath work, like by itself. That training, you know, might involve being on a bike. Um, It might be, you know, getting into the gym. Um, It might be a double dose of yoga that day.
1: Wasn't weren't wasn't your perspective before like high intensity, like hit training was the jam. It still is.
0: It still is to some degree. Yeah, it's in
1: like doses.
0: Yeah, it's just how I'm doing it. Like it's it's just like if I get on my bike, it's going to be a heavy aerobic session. Like it's not going to be easy. Yeah. Like my bike work, like when I get on the bike, it's like, that's my thing right now. I've just, I've gotten back into bike riding. Um, I I've, a long time ridden bikes. Like not, it wasn't just BMX as a kid. It was BMX. Then as you know, a, a 12 year old, I got a, you know, a road bike and I was out road biking at 12 and you know, and then it, you know, I, I, whatever. Um, I got back into mountain biking, all that stuff. Starrett's into it now and like we're, we're signed up for some massive fucking tour that we're doing in September this next year like out in Colorado and Utah and like multi-day thing and like we're, we're just way into it at this point and so yeah. I you know I, it's just something I've gravitated back towards but I'm using the program that I've developed for that but <laughs> there's this thing that we're using to understand the deeper layers of it and that's you know respiration and, and what's happening. And right. what am I getting away with, and what am I not? And if I'm just going out and slamming myself, what what's what's the result of that? And and if I'm losing control of my breathing, and what what does that mean, you know? And and we're figuring that out.
1: It's amazing to me how many people, myself included, are completely out of control of their autonomic nervous system. You know, it's like a it's like a cart just like like running off the track. Well, as a
0: society, look, you know, I'm as guilty of this as anybody. Yeah. Like I, as anybody, but. <laughs> But here we are to where I'm now, we're now seeing things like as a society, we literally think that going and driving ourselves out of control while we train or work out is actually effective training.
1: Yeah. It's a representation of our culture.
0: Yes. 100%.
1: Yeah. You were talking about unwinding things like, like I spoke on previous podcasts about like uh, abandonment and certain like psychological emotional kind of kind of like foibles or issues that i've i've been navigating and how you've been able to navigate yourself out of kind of like previous what do they call those enneagrams like the stuff that you learn as your kid like your perspective on the world and the world's not safe or the world's they're gonna leave me or yeah. what's been your process on kind of come into a place like we were speaking specifically about fear of abandonment and the tendency of going into a relationship and then kind of shutting it down and seeking out something else and never being satisfied.
0: Yeah. Um, well, a rarely has there been a time in my adult life since the age of 23 that I have not had some either a sort of mentor or mentors Mm. or therapists that were I was involved with to the degree to understand what was, what I was about and doing. Um, th- it, that's just been a part of w- my process, and I've surrounded myself with people who want that de- depth, that deep of a layer as well. Therefore, the conversations that I have with the people that I am closest to are. That deep, not everybody wants to really talk about shit like that.
1: <laughs> I find myself only able to talk about shit. like that.
0: Well, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I, and I and I think a lot. I think like, look. I mean, I think our world. There's more and more people like that that are getting into that, right? That 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 understand that. Um, but you know, it's. I, I really. there's just things that we hang on to that we just don't realize we're hanging on to sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so we avoid going to that depth because we think we understand what that is, right? Like we think we understand what childhood was about, but yet the fact of the matter is is everybody has dealt with trauma in childhood. I don't care if you were from the fucking projects or you grew up in Malibu. You've got trauma. Everybody does. And it's all ingrained and it's a pattern. And if you don't think it affects your behavior, then you haven't stared in the mirror long enough. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's just fact. Like that's just, I, I have yet to meet somebody who is that example of like be the beacon of light, the Buddha himself. Like, mm-hmm. right. And even the Buddha's like the Buddha wasn't, the Buddha had to come to terms with who he actually was and what he was doing. Right. And so <clears throat> it, you know, it's, I, I've had a number of people who've, who've been able to help me get to those those levels and whether it's by example or whether it's by me asking for them to point it out, you know, or, or to pull down the layers of what was going on. You know, it's like – I mean I had – I hadn't have daddy issues just mm. because of the fact that my dad was successful but my dad wasn't around but that he – you know did some things that weren't exactly awesome but here's the thing is i'm an adult that's not his fucking problem that's my problem Like he is responsible for himself and he only has the tools that he's had. But the fact is, is I developed a character and some survival skills based off the fact that I was dealing with somebody who I didn't know how to deal with. So I just put up these walls and I put up rebellion and I put up this anger and I put up these things that allowed me to deal with that situation as best I could. And those were the tools I created. Those tools, if they become repetition – they don't always work and when the tool stops working it's my job to actually do something about that like if it and and look anger is not just the only thing here like if we're talking about emo like just being an emotional like oh I, I i you know like women tend to be more emotional than men right i think we all can agree on that to some degree and i'm not it's saying true. men can't be emotional men aren't emotional it's a great thing
1: but I'd say femininity is it, emotional
0: a femininity femininity is a very emotional thing right If you are emotional about 80% of the things that actually happen to you because you don't like them, because something happens that you don't like, that's a fucking problem. You're not dealing with something, right? right? If I'm angry every time somebody says something, does something, if I'm in traffic and I'm getting angry at people all the time, that's not helping me. That's not doing me any good. Okay. So why am I getting angry? What is the, what is the root of that issue? Like, where does that start? And if I want to know where that begins, I wanted to know where that began. And so I went and looked for it and I found it and it was simple. And the moment I was able to do it, I was able to call my father and tell him, I love you. And I want you to understand that you can call me and talk about anything you want you can come over to my house anytime you want and not feel like i'm invading your space and you can't be who you want to be i don't want you to feel like i'm somebody that that is pushing you away and that d- destroyed everything that like i had against him hmm. and and anger that i kind of had in me still and so that you know and but that's real shit to like <laughs> You got to be willing to want to do that. You got to be willing to want to know what that beginning is. And then you got to understand the behavior of things that you're doing, even when it's on like fucking social media and I'm going and liking things or I'm doing things and I'm, you know, like, what am I doing and why am I doing it? And why am I getting peeved right now about this post somebody did? And although that's a normal reaction to something, it's fretting on it that isn't. Right. Right. And so I can, I can be envious of Aaron getting a book deal. That's a very normal reaction. But the reality of it is, is I'm happy for you. Well, we're, we're on a team. Right. But, but, but but here's the thing. This is when it turns is when, if that envy continues and I'm not happy and that there's a visceral thing that's going on in me that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. (laughs) There's a root to what's going on with me. Right. That does no good for me <laughs> to not be happy for you. And I'm just using this as an example because oh, I we talked about your book. Yeah, deal, yeah, no, right? I, get it. I totally get it. Like and it's it's awesome. Like and I you know, it's just I've had to learn. I've had I've had to learn in, in the last like, you know, year, I think, on a large scale level, just based on the fact that when my when, when everything changed when I didn't expect it to, like I've been out in some heavy, heavy, heavy stuff like surf-wise with, with people, um, <clears throat> friends who are very, very good at navigating the ocean, big waves, things, things that are life-threatening. I've been in front of animals that could eat me in a heartbeat. Um, getting out of cages with great white sharks, um, like I, I've done some rather fucking intense things that have put me in front of death and put me in front of things. But yet, you go and play on a playground with some fucking your nephews, and the moment you, your life changes like that, and you know it could be over like that, and that's life. Yeah, that is life, and and that I think is a catalyst to understanding. I I don't give a shit about. Like, like a a friend of mine is like, look, you're going to forget about the fact that you had that injury. Like you're going to behave your behavior will, (laughs) right? Like you will behave as though it won't. And and he's right. There's a lot of times I behave still where I I pretend like that didn't happen. And I'm not, I wasn't humbled by it, but I'm trying, I I still want to be humbled by the fact that in the blink of an eye, I can all change. And it's, it's not worth going through life without with, with, with resentment or with, or with, uh, the, the anger or the emotional, res- the envy, the, all the things that literally can hold you down and back and, and you think, and, and are these childlike survival skills. I'm no longer a child. And th- this is the most of the shit I'm in doesn't need survival skills. <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't. So there's my training program.
1: <laughs> I think it's, I think it's interesting when I say we're on the same team, I don't mean you and I, I mean, we are on the same team, I'd say, but, but we I are. mean, I mean like at a, even a global type level, like the yeah. idea, like the idea of like, if the sun shines on the whole neighborhood or somebody else or somebody in freaking Cambodia or whatever, it doesn't mean that it shines less on, on me is something that I've heard somebody say. Right. And I was like, oh, that's legit. I get that. But I think if you can perceive things that way, then that's really valuable. I Did think you it's grow int- up in Pennsylvania? Yeah. I can tell. Why? (laughs) Why? Huh? Why? On the accent? On. On. Shit. That's embarrassing. I tried to unwind that shit. No,
0: can't get rid (laughs) of it. Can't get rid of it. It comes out.
1: (laughs) Um the so the thing that I think is interesting with like going to the core or the perceived core of things to unwind stress in the body is the connection between how that emotional stress literally translates to physical tension. You know, and then so you can start to access, like, through things like cold temperatures and Mm. things like, you know, extreme situations or things like, oh, I thought I was paralyzed and I had to start to auto-regulate and figure myself out. All of those are are practices, you know, so we can start to tap into the the tension of our whole entire body through our emotions and through our breath. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, how do you, how do you, uh, how have you felt a change in your physical body from looking, introspecting, looking at the core stuff with dad, Uh looking at like learning, learning breath practices. Have you noticed a shift in your body? Like the suppleness of your body?
0: Yeah. Big time, big time. Like there's a big change in, in like how my tissue is not all fucking wound up and like, stiff. Right.
1: And we think of it as like a foam rolling, which the foam rolling works. It's, it's, it's an access Great. point. <laughs> but you foam roll the fuck out of it, yeah. and, and you're just foam rolling out the fill-in-the-blank issues.
0: <laughs> That's exactly what the fuck's going on. I,
1: <laughs> why, do
0: I, why am I in so much pain? Why can't I get more flexible? I stretch, and it's right. uh, uh, like, <laughs> how deep do you want to go? <laughs> like, yeah. What do you want to understand?
1: Yeah, yeah. You know? So what's your what's your breath practice look like?
0: Um, largely um I'd say by and large the most common thing I do is a, a, a basic pranayama in the morning. Um but uh that just starts things. That's just a starter. Um and and typically, I mean my entire day is a breath practice. Yeah. My entire day. Um, I right. am probably aware of my breathing at least probably a third to a half of the day at this point. And I mean, we're walking down the hallway. I'm thinking about my breathing, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, and, 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 and as much as that might drive people nuts, like oh I don't ever want, I, I, that wasn't my goal. <laughs> that was never my goal, but when I go train, I'm training by understanding my respiration pattern, and so that's literally how we, we, we have taken the pr- training program that we've created with power, speed, and endurance, and we're ratcheting it to another, to another place, whether this is good or bad, I don't, you know, I don't care, but <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> So far, we've had nothing but positive results, right? But that alone has exacerbated what happens throughout my day. Because if I can control my respiration during training and understand it during training, when it gets intense, it becomes very easy to understand it when it changes throughout the day. And so I understand these slight changes that start to occur throughout my day. And, and that instantly makes me aware of things, you know, um, the moment my mouth opens when I'm, you know, I, like I feel right now just through talking, the amount of talking I've had to do today, like that, that waxes me. Mm. I feel it. Yeah. It, it's definite. It's full, it's full bore. Um, you know, not when I get to keep my mouth shut for most of the day, totally. Fuck, I feel so much better.
1: Contain yourself. That Dude. was, I went to a thing and I was in, um, Peru for a while I went down to do ayahuasca and and I was ending up trying to find the right shaman and the whole the whole thing I was hitchhiking around and going on boats and it was like this like four month experience like cruising around through the the different places and I finally found myself at this place where it was actually it was a bunch of people there for cancer Mm -hmm. I was the only person not there for cancer I was just like some young punk that wanted to eat ayahuasca with the with the (laughs) shaman (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but what I learned from it, more valuable than the, the oh, I experience everything. What I learned from uh. it what I learned from it was uh or a standout was that uh he wouldn't a part of the rules of staying at like, like the retreat was you weren't allowed to talk. And the reason you could talk I mean it wasn't like, you know, yes, lashings like if v- you talk. Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like try to contain your energy. Yeah. You know, so in Vipassan, they do like noble silence. We're not allowed to look at each other or any kind of, you know, anything. Cause all of that, it's almost like you know, they described as like your, like your, your, your chi, your energy goes out. Every time I look at that screen, every time I have that conversation, it's like the energy's well, it, coming out.
0: It actually is legitimately. What you does that look mean? at something? Your physiology changes. Mm-hmm. You change, you can change state. Mm. If I go from there to here, I just, if I go from you to here, I just changed into a more highly alert or sympathetic um, right. high focus. And yeah, like focus to peripheral. They're, they're not – like these ancient practices are not fucking dumb. Right. <laughs> like there is legitimate science that we can connect into what's happening to these things. Yeah. yeah Yeah, the peripheral
1: vision peripheral vision it calms you down you know when you're focused that shark focus sharks I I mean why do you
0: live at the beach because you just want to stress the fuck out
1: right exactly (laughs) yeah seriously you know
0: just like I just want to max myself every day yeah just
1: trying to max out stressing out out, looking at sunsets and sunrises I'm all all about PRs I just want to PR as often as possible (laughs) Um, what was I talking about oh Um, it was the talking the talking thing I thought was really interesting and so that was what that was that was the thing. They're all there. So they wanted to be able to contain themselves so that they could actually go in and create enough internal healing power, life force, chi, whatever language you want to put on it, to actually be able to work with the disease that was that was that had manifested in their bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like ah, that's fucking cool, man. And that's what they do in Vipassana. that's what they it's just an interesting, interesting yeah. thing how you can start to, you can gather yourself <laughs> if you practice gathering yourself, but you need to understand how to gather yourself. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I got glimpses of this stuff when I was doing, when I was ultra running. I, I wasn't able to connect all of it until now, but I, I had glimpses of these things. Mm. And this is like when we talked about Vipassana a while ago and I was like, yeah, I've, I've run a hundred miles. Like, I kind of know what that feels like. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not that like I was the beacon of ultra marathoning, but I, cause I certainly wasn't, but I, I experienced that. And I, and I, my, you know, I, I think there's something to getting into those deep layers of, you know, wanting to understand something at that deep layer that you went to go do, mm. you know, I think there's very important pieces that you can explore. I think, you know, like things like ayahuasca can accelerate that to a large degree. I mean, I think that's why they were used and why they are used the way they are. Um, but. Or a relationship. Yeah, that'll do it too. <laughs> especially when, you're, especially when you're married to my wife. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 I think, all, I think all of it's, there's like, I like we become attached to the, the individual thing, but if you realize that every aspect of your day truly is a practice then you, you your job can become the ayahuasca retreat to Peru. Your relationship can become. If you start fucking paying attention to maybe your breath or paying attention to the way that you move across the room, start like, you have so much stuff that you can geek out on right now in your biology. Like if you put, Acupuncture needle into the skin mm-hmm. when the acupuncture is playing, they like do a little mm-hmm. twist thing. You literally have these collagen fibers that come out like it's like they look like, like tree roots or like snakes that come up and wrap around the needle. Like we have this whole universe inside of our body, mm-hmm. we just you know get stuck on fucking paying yeah. rent or whatever. That yeah. becomes the whole focus of it
0: and everything. in everything. Yeah. In everything. Yeah. we are a pain based society. Mm.
1: What do you mean? We're pain-based society. We
0: think that uh, suffering is a necessity. Oh yeah. Suffering's a choice. You get to choose your. You get to choose like, you can choose. I can't remember. <coughs> excuse me. I can't remember who put this out or who wrote this, but it was, you choose the pain of suffering, or you choose the pain of discipline. Mm. Your choice. You want to get fat. You want to get out of shape. You want to get sick. You want to get unhealthy. You want to get depressed. You want to get anxiety. You lack discipline. Just give up on it. Hmm. Give up on what you're doing. Fucking sit in it. Hmm. And then let yourself writhe in suffering and blame everybody else. Okay. (laughs) There you go. You can go run endless miles, (laughs) pounding yourself into the ground, you know, and work out. Until you can't move or you, you know, what, what are you training for? What do you, what, what are we, what are you doing? doesn't mean that this doesn't mean don't do things like CrossFit or like, like I, I'm probably, I'm going to do CrossFit till the day I die most likely. Yeah. It's great uh, movements. It, it, it is. They're phenomenal movement. It's a great way to understand what's going on metabolically and even movement wise, you know, like, Oh shit, I can't get that overhead. All right. <laughs> like yeah. got to work on something. Uh, but When it becomes like I've watched that whole movement become, you know, high intensity Metcons every single day, you know, which we knew that was what was going to happen anyway, because look at society. Right. It's no different than race to the top ultra marathoning. Yeah. It's just a different version of it.
1: Yeah. We were talking about that idea of, of feeling like one of the most amazing virtues that I'm just so inspired by anybody that has like a glimpse of it is the sensation of having enough. Like, if you figure that out in the culture that we live in, like, I feel like I have enough. I'm like, whoa. (laughs) How did you sort that out?
0: Yeah, I feel like I've got too (laughs) too much shit. Okay. (coughs) Seriously. If you, like, but if you move as much as Aaron and I did have in the last six years, like, I think we've moved six or seven times in the last six years. Right. So...
1: Not me, Aaron. We're, no. I've moved a lot, too. <laughs> yeah, but... but <laughs> Aaron Kafaro. Aaron, Aaron McKenzie, yeah. um, Gold medal, gold medalist, too. What was her story? She's, like, more amazing than I realized.
0: <laughs> she's She's fucking... She's a humble, <laughs> humble, <laughs> non-social media, I don't want any attention badass. Yeah. Um, unfortunately she's going to need, she at some point will need to come out of their shell. That's okay. Well, she needs to share with the world what, what she's doing. She wants to anyway, which is good. And you know, I think it's, um, it's a process, but you know, she's somebody who's literally just shown me the epitome of like peeling the fucking onion, Hmm. you know? Um, I would not. Um, I would not have wanted. I, I, I shouldn't say wouldn't wanted, but uh, what what she and her, her 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 partners in the boat and you know other fellow athletes go through with the Olympics. I I wouldn't. I don't know that I would want to go through that. I mean, that, yeah,
1: it's a huge sacrifice. The, so, she the, was, the so she was the sacrifice. Is just what was her her deal? She gold medal. Rower. Um, yeah, she's a uh, two-time, go- uh,
0: two-time Olympic gold medalist in the women's eight, which was the most dominant boat and team in Olympic history, I believe. Right. Um, they have not lost since, I think she entered that boat in Beijing, which was the year before Beijing. So I think that was Greece, I think. Um, they won in Greece, then Beijing, then London, then Rio. And now they'll go to this one i don't know that they're gonna make that i know they've got the team now but um nonetheless um she was the run on the boat and you know you train you give up four years for you do a cycle is what they call them and um you go and do four years and then you go and you win a medal and the entire world is watching, and you're on every TV show known that you've ever seen. And, you know, you're everybody loves you, and then literally within a week, that's all gone, <laughs> and nobody gives a fuck. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so then you repeat it. You got Because you gotta, you what else? Get that hit. <laughs> yeah. Because what else are you gonna do? Because I mean, that's what you've been doing, and you know, um, I get it man. I, 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 I get it. I loved racing and torturing myself and doing stuff. And, but that level is nuts. And, and that highest level of people in the world doing stuff for you. And then the Olympic committee making millions of dollars off of you while you make shit is, um, I just don't understand like how, like, I mean, even things like FIFA, you know, and soccer and like what they've gotten away with for how long they've gotten away with and how much money these organizations make versus what they're actually paying athletes and things like that. It's just, it's kind of insane. Yeah. Um, college sports is another great example of that. Um, but I, I just, you know, it's, um, people like to compete, man. And it starts to define them. You can't help
1: it. I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, I'm even to a certain degree, like a monkey on like social media and shit. I'm like, oh, I'll do. If I do this, fulfills, I'll be applauded. Yeah. If I, <laughs> yeah. If I do something else, it's real it simple. won't be. Was like, it's right, just like money, hands and some
0: twisty shit. Hey, here it comes. Fa- fame <laughs> falls into the same categories as money and power, popularity. Man, yeah. It, it let's it, you you. It's a, it's a, we're all, you can't not hide from that shit, unless you're not on it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's it. If you can sort out the enough thing, though, but I think within social media, it's almost built into the system for you to, like, if you, if it was built in the system for people to be satiated, then they wouldn't be capturing your attention. Like, the business is your eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So as long as you're in a position of not feeling like it's enough, like, you, you're like, if you're in that, if everyone's just like, yeah, we're we're good. There'd be no reason to reach out all the time. Yeah. You know, so unwinding that shit. I'd be curious, yeah, to actually have some like actionable stuff for people around like getting cold. So today we went to the the ice the ice chamber. Yeah. And um, can we talk a little bit about the experience of like one you fall into ice first? Why do we get into ice in the first place? And how do we regulate our breath? How do we regulate <laughs> our nervous system in there? Mm-hmm. Um, start there. Yeah. Yeah. Be curious.
0: Um, I mean based on what I understand about the cold and my first experience was not with Wim Hof. <laughs> um, it was with Laird Hamilton. My, my true real experience was with Laird Hamilton and him stuffing me in his ice fucking box in his little cave <laughs> where he used to have it. And, uh, um, <laughs> him laughing at me <laughs> intensely, um, as I writhed to get out of it. Um, I, we, we're hardwired literally biologically to deal with the cold. Hmm. Um, but we live lives that don't necessarily need that anymore. Um, whether that's good or bad, or I'm like, whatever. I, I, I like the feeling. I like the ability to regulate my body temperature. And so the cold plays a massive role in that. Um, it, it allows you to get those cells functioning on levels that, you know, weren't necessarily, they weren't necessarily functioning. Um, So we're designed to be able to, you know, our cells are actually designed to handle cold and to be able to deal with cold. Um, at levels that we I don't even think we've come close to tapping into Mm. Um, just based on the fact that we are now finding people that existed up in the Arctic Circle like 15,000 years prior to what we thought they (laughs) ever did like meaning they didn't have a whole lot of shit with them to go up to the Arctic Circle and at that time it was probably a hell of a lot colder than it is now Mm. so how and why were they doing this? You know, um, it, regardless, we're never going to get that story, um, but they were there, and so w- what about that allowed them to do that? And yeah, why would we go up there in the first place? I, I would, Im- I would imagine to hunt.
1: We like come from like Africa and like all these awesome, rad places. You're like, let's I, go to the middle of.
0: Well, the- I, I mean, but I, I don't know that many. A lot of us could could have survived back then back down in Africa based on, you know, skin pigmentation, (laughs) shit like that. I mean, you stick a Swede down in Africa, you know, 10,000 years ago.
1: You think we came from the same place? You think we all came from one point like that?
0: Yeah. Well, I I mean, from, I mean, at one point for sure. But if people were up in the Arctic, I don't think you're talking about somebody who was from Africa that was up in the Arctic at that point. I think it was somebody who, I would think it was culturally, people who lived close to the Arctic and Siberia and, or, you know, Greenland and, you know, or upper Canada that were, you know, or Alaska, what, what they are now, there were cultures living close enough to where there was thaw potentially, Mm -hmm. but it got cold and, you know, they were able to handle that, you know, with just some fire, you know? So, um, you know, an animal skin, because, you know, I mean, I I don't know what else they were wearing. Patagonia didn't exist back then. So Mm -hmm. um, anyway, diatribe off of like people existing up in the Arctic circle, (laughs) we, the cold and has become the hot thing because of just a lot of the uses, a lot of the things that it can provide, Um, you know, even from a hormonal standpoint. um, But I think like I I don't think it's very different from any other sort of training stimulus. Mm -mm. Um, And I think it's just another thing to kind of add to the tool shed. Uh, I I don't look at it as any different than going and lifting weights or getting on my bike. It's a choice. It's it's another stressor. It's not a a (laughs) like getting like this is one of the big things that people think they're doing. And, you know, it's like getting in there and, you know, oh, I'm going to recover here. That's not it's not recovery you're stressing your system out. Like hmm. you're legitimately stressing yourself out right now. Like th- this isn't recovery. It's what's happening afterwards. Can you rebound from it? And this went into like the, the hypothermic question, you know, thing right. that we were talking about. Right. And so when you, people who get hypothermic from doing it, meaning they're cold all the rest of the day, this is traditionally not, not severe hypothermia where you're literally dying and need to go to the hospital. Um, But if you're cold all day, the rest of the day after doing a cold plunge, like you failed, that's called failure. And you did not create an adaptive response. You just basically put yourself in hypothermia. So the idea after the cold is to actually get a rebound effect off the sympathetic uptick to where you can drop out into parasympathetic. What we're learning through through the respiration stuff and even visual stuff is like if I create some peripheral vision, um, you know, this is stuff that I've learned with Huberman. Uh, Dr. Huberman out of Stanford um, with the vision stuff because he is his focus is on ophthalmology um, it, that you can actually start to learn to shift or control what's going on with the autonomic nervous system. Totally. So the respiration protocols that we're, we use, the easiest one I use is the 10 breath thing. Slow out of your nose, as slow as you possibly can 10 breaths. Let's see what, how, let's see you regulate your autonomic nervous system. And Most people don't understand what that means. And so what that means is if you can actually control your breathing to the degree that you can stay in there for five minutes or more, you're actually training yourself in a more effective manner to handle that cold versus if I'm just talking the whole time and breathing out of my mouth or freaking out and hyperventilating, you actually can't get into a more learning learned environment so this is where you look at parasympathetic sympathetic process right survival mechanism versus pulling myself out of survival so that i can actually start to learn or process what's going on right and so that's where we're starting to learn how to integrate this whether we're we're getting in the bike and training on the bike and doing this or we're getting in the cold or we're getting in the heat and you know it's the same thing but you can literally get the body to start to respond a lot quicker and better through controlling respiration versus just letting it go. Mm. And, and this is no different from the process of, you know, me almost paralyzing myself. Right. Oh, grab a hold of your breath, yep. control the breathing. And I think that's, that's why it's important is you don't realize when it is and will be important. You know, and even though getting out of a cage with a great white shark at 40 feet down is a very high stress situation that's life or death, Controlling my respiration was at the height of what I was fucking doing down there because that was the only thing I could really do with, you know, a a car of an animal swimming around, well, several of them swimming around you, Hmm. you know? Are you actually in any danger in the cage? In the cage? Not really, but we got out of the cage. So oh, you we did. Oh no, no. Yeah, I got out of the cage.
1: Okay, I didn't want to say it because I was like, I was like, bitch, you're in the cage, like that's fine. But you got out of the cage. No,
0: no, no I got out of the cage.
1: Oh, okay, that's yeah, different.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. With like <laughs> four like, or five great white sharks. <laughs> oh, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah I yeah.
1: Was so, I'm so glad I said something. Yes.
0: No. You're like, I'm just not going <laughs> to bring this up. I'm just something. not no, going to no, say yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, It's all right. Whatever. Because
1: I've done the shark thing in the cage, and I'm like, uh, what are we doing here? You got out of the cage. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah good yes yeah we had three permits to get out and i was i got on one of those i got basically dive certified to go do that yeah totally
1: (laughs) right decision all right how was that experience
0: uh it was amazing (sighs) I, i mean talk about an adrenaline dump you know like that that was probably one of the largest i've ever had whoa Yeah. Coming back from that trip was gnarly. Like, just because coming off of all of that, um, you cross an ocean, you know, you're 20 hours, like you're a full day crossing an ocean, and then, you know, your full day back, and you're three, four days there. Um, You know, it's just there are so many sharks there. Like, and it's just great whites because no other shark will come near a great white. If great white comes into the vicinity, every other shark will bolt. Mm. They are the peak unless there's like orca but uh so guadalupe has like there's just hundreds of these sharks that go out there every year between i think like september and november and uh you know that's we went out there for stanford med um with huberman for the project they were doing the vr on fear so we whoa yeah I noticed that in the
1: ice bath. So as, as we were doing it today, I don't know how many minutes I was in. I, you were maybe. in
0: like a little over five. Okay. Yeah.
1: Oh, is that it? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was like 27 minutes or something. <laughs> I'm going to tell it people. i felt this. like to because tell we, people were in, was 20, we were fucking I'm people it fucking interview you was, were in there. It was 27 minutes. Um, but yeah, so when I was in and like closing my eyes yeah. and breathing and all that, literally feel fine. Uh-huh. And then I wanted to like have like the entertainment for the camera so I'm like asking you questions yeah and all of a sudden I'm focusing on you Mm -hmm. I'm you know I'm talking I'm trying to keep my attention over here and I could literally feel like it almost felt as though heat was like moving out of my body in a sense so if I could contain myself then I can like keep a little heater going but as I put my attention onto you it literally felt like it was siphoning out that's trippy Pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, I didn't feel it specifically. I just I, could feel myself getting colder. Like, it was a lot harder. It would be. I, you know.
0: I haven't experienced that because I haven't done that. But, well, maybe, yeah, I have. I just didn't pay attention to it. But, yeah. I, I mean, it, it's I, I feel like it's kind of the same thing as like I'm talking all day. Yeah. I'm on all day. And it's like I'm feeling shit get sucked out of me. And it's like, I have, you know, being aware of what you're doing. It's like. I mean, if you're going to go do podcast after podcast, you've got to come down after that. Yep. Like, you've got to, like, I, I mean, I've, I work with people who are professional speakers. Like, you know, we've, I've set them up with breathing protocols prior to going out and after they're done, like it's downshift, downshift, right. Like get them to shift down and then get them to get them to get into a calm place before they head out. And they're not thinking about too much. Right. Yeah. It's no different than a performer either, you know, so you, know, you get any type of performer and you want to get them. Set, set straight before they actually do something, so they're in that zone, and then bring them, bring yourself down after you're doing something. It's no different than an athlete. Like yeah. you, you know,
1: what do you think of the whole uh, like Buteco method and Oxygen I, Advantage uh, book uh, and all that? Well,
0: a I think Patrick McEwan w- just crushed that book. I yeah probably rec I, I recommend that book uh, as number one for anybody who wants to understand anything about breathing or or respiration yeah. in general. Yeah I agree. It's highly important. His his buteco would be dead. The 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 idea or the the method would not exist if it were not for him.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
0: He he made sense of something that was archaic. And I had all that archaic work. <laughs> like I was looking at that. Right. I had the DVDs and some of the booklets that came with what the Buteyko Method did. I hadn't, hadn't even heard of Oxygen Advantage yet. And I had to be, and I was just like, what is, like, this is just weird stuff. Like, and Patrick made sense of it, man. Made sense of it.
1: And yeah, he describes breathing as, as like, like overeating in a way. Like once you're satiated with food, it's the same conversation as the whole enough thing, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't need to, pour more air into it. And then eventually it starts to become unhealthy. Mm -hmm. Um, Nose breathing. Mm -hmm. Is that a thing that's really important to you?
0: Uh, Yeah. 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 Very much. Um, He wasn't the first. He was probably the second to bring it to my attention. But um, it has been probably the foundation of everything we talk about. Great. Yeah, it's it's really the foundation of like if you're gonna actually be serious about respiration, shut your fucking mouth. Like, shut your mouth for the next month. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can talk to people, but if you're gonna go train, if you're gonna go do anything, it's all through that nose. You know, um, I've I've talked to a number of people. I, um, I talked at USA Cycling with a guy um, who's a PhD, and he he actually went um. To to not to yoga <laughs> to India and lived in an ashram for a few a few years and had a guru that he worked with and he listened to my whole he he was the keynote at USA Cycling and he listened to my talk and uh, he was a friend of one of my friends and we ended up going to dinner and he's like, I, I really enjoyed your talk. And he goes, I think you're, there's, you're finally somebody who's connecting the dots for everybody. And he goes, I'm somebody from the esoteric practice of, cause I said, you know, we're typically when I talk, when I, when I give lectures or something, I'll talk about how people like to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, and, and esoteric practices like yoga are, are as such with a lot of people because they just see this hippy dippy thing and they're like, eh, that's not for me. Right. Um, and you're missing a whole lot if you're doing that. And I did. And so that's what we're trying to connect. But he was like, look, you know, um, (laughs) my guru told me, um, that when I learned to eat a banana through my nose, I could breathe through my mouth. And I was, and he's like, that's good. You know, uh, (laughs) They've been saying this stuff for some time and, you know, it's, it's good to see people that are finally understanding it. And, you know, I mean, I don't see any uh, literature, research, um, or anything I understand about anatomy, physiology, even biology that says mouth breathing is bad. Would be been more beneficial than nasal breathing in in any way, shape, or form. Other than when I'm speaking or in an emergency situation when I need to offload at something. Like, there's just n- n- no reason for it at this, based on what we understand. Mm. Um, there are gearing, you know, so so people will take that, <laughs> and they'll be like, we well, you just you know. Th- you don't totally understand or, you know, that, that doesn't make total sense. And, you know, you can't just breathe through your nose through everything. Well, yeah, you can. You just need to understand how to use gears and you actually need to develop your nose. Um, you're plastic till the day you die. Um, and there's speeds at which things can change. Um, but if I, who, somebody who's busted his nose twice, have a deviated septum, um, you know, if I can learn in a few years how to go from basically like probably 60% of max heart rate nasal only breathing to upwards of 95% of max heart rate nasal only breathing, I mean, I don't know who, why, why others can't, um, the, sure from an anatomical perspective, some of us have smaller nostrils and it might be more difficult, but the reality is, is maybe you should be paying attention to why those nostrils are so small. And the reality of it is, is that when you're mismanaging CO2, you're actually not playing with inside your own physiological reactions to things. Meaning if I'm offloading more CO2 than I actually need to, I'm not actually using the O2. So this goes back, you know, a lot of McCune's work is around this. I'm just, I'm gobbling up too much air. Well, right. if your nose, if you're, nose isn't developed like somebody who's lived in Africa or whose descendants are directly from Africa, like who have wider nostrils. What, what is it you, you know, you think you, you're just going to cheat your way through that. Well, what's happening to your physiology as a result of that? Like, and let's, let's look under the hood. Let's look at that. All right. We'll hook you up to a cardiometabolic cart. Let's hook you up to something to understand bioenergetics. Like, let's look at that cellular level of what's going on down there. Oh, weird. <laughs> like, you are burning more sugar than that person because you're offloading more CO2 now at this point. So you're, you're actually not managing your fitness in the way that you actually could. And so this is where that anaerobic, aerobic training paradigm starts to fit in. And there's a, there's a guy out of, um, I think he's Cal Poly uh, Pomona. I can't remember Dr. Eddie Joe. Um, he, he's got a great Instagram handle, but he just, he, he broke, he breaks down things so fantastic. And he put out a piece not too long ago about the misunderstanding of training and aerobic and anaerobic training. And it was basically make no mistake. Everything is aerobic training. Mm. When I am anaerobic that's not, you're no longer in a trainable state past that. It's just, you're, you're basically cooking. You're just using your survival physiology at that point. It's getting my aerobic levels up to as high as I possibly can to train that, right? So right where that convergence is. So think anaerobic threshold, right? Like if I'm at my anaerobic threshold, I'm still training some aerobic levels, But when I get past that and I'm just completely wrecked like that, it's just not a trainable thing past that point. So how am I managing my aerobic training through there? That doesn't mean we're not doing high intensity work. Oh no. On the contrary, you're still doing high intensity work. It's high intense aerobic work, which most people suck at. Like we're talking five minutes of maximal work. Like that is hard ass shit. That's not anaerobic. That's aerobic. That's maximal aerobic work. And so looking at all of this, it just, it really comes down to, hey, how am I biologically set up? What can I get away with? Well, I just can't get enough air. No, it's not getting enough air in. That's the problem. Put a pulse oximeter on. (laughs) Like, let's see what that means. Looks to me 96, 98% O2 saturation, you're functioning just fine. It's the CO2. So it's that ability to offload, like being CO2 intolerant is the primary issue. And so we just, we live these lives of comfort. We live, you know, we all do it. I do it. Like I'm not any more, I'm more sitting in a hotel room right now. I'm living the life of luxury on the road. Um, but, you know, the fact is, is like, this is just a byproduct of the comfort that we've created for ourselves. No, species nada on this planet sleeps with its mouth open other than the human being Mm. not one and we are seeing there's a great book just came out called jaws um written by a couple of uh professors out of uh stanford that is all about our jaws yeah and one of the problems that they see is the mal formation of the jaw from a very young age because we barely even breastfeed our children anymore. And when we do go from breastfeeding, we then feed them food that's been chewed up for them yet. They've got teeth. And so we're not putting them in an environment that actually expands that jaw and the mandible to where we open up the sinuses And we actually breathe through something that's designed to actually breathe air.
1: Yeah, the tongue goes up to the hard palate, Mm -hmm. spans outward. Mm -hmm. So we always have this inward pressure from the musculature around our face kind of collapsing us in mm-hmm. so that that tongue that's why in, in yoga again like back to it's like this old information old. it's like oh right put the tongue to the roof of the mouth the whole microcosmic orbit and you know all the stuff it's like <laughs> oh there's other explanations <laughs> of that as well yeah
0: yeah, yeah. We just could just different ta- translations uh, of the same shit uh, oh yeah yeah like we could we could give a scientific explanation of that like where we are right now yeah. of what somebody's creating some esoteric hippie thing out of that's turning off half the population you know whatever yeah so You know, George Caitlin wrote a book in, I think, 1867 or something, right around there, uh, called Shut Your Mouth and Save Your Life. And even um, Mm. uh, Patrick McCune talks about him. Um, But back to, like, the fact that we are the only species that breathes through our mouth, this is a new phenomenon. And it's probably, like, three, four, maybe five generations deep. Right. Um, To where you this has become a a, like a very epidemic thing, meaning we sleep with our mouths open when we sleep and it's a problem. Sleep apnea teeth. um, The teeth aren't being cleaned. Um, What does saliva do? Right. And yet we don't have a filter through our mouth for air. There's no filter, nothing, no immune system set up through our mouth when we inhale air. We've got like several pla- things set up through the nose for our immune system. I mean, if the biggest thing I could say about what I – which changed my life in the last probably five six years is my immune system. Hmm. It's almost bulletproof. Hmm. Like I literally, and it's not from doing huffing and puffing and, and you know stuff like that. It, it's it's literally legitimately forcing myself to breathe through my nose, not only when I train but when I sleep at night, things like that. Is, as I'm, I'm not allowing for a lot of things to happen, but I'm also setting up my immune system in a way to where I've got the first layer in place, you know, like skins, that first layer here, right? Well, the nose is the first layer for air. And so particles, mucus, things like that catch and get caught. And then the immune system can actually respond to those first layers of things. And we can set that up, right? Um, humidification of the air, all that stuff. But you know, it, it, it's interesting because people want to fight like about this stuff. Like there's people who really want to fight about this stuff that, you know, or they hold on to things and it's like, fuck man, like look at, look, look at the reality of this. Like do you, I mean, if you just look at anatomy, like the mouth was designed for communication <laughs> and our digestive system. And oral. Well yeah an oral <laughs> <laughs> an oral it's <But, laughs> like like that's
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and and that's a tough thing to chew on if you're a mouth breather you know if you're somebody's breathing through your mouth and I was a mouth breather like I did it I mean the instant the instant I started working out I just right just easier yeah is easier supposed to be that and that you know, this kind of goes into that pain paradigm, right? Well, I thought we're not supposed to be in pain. That's not pain. That's work. <laughs> like that's adjusting. And and yeah. you know, the reality is is, you know, I mean, dude, if I, I can look if I can take some of the fittest athletes in the world and alter their response to work just through doing some simple stuff with endurance training and breathing like something's going on you know and that's the highest level yet you know at the at the most basic level you know we see general population which is the most important i i can't tell you how many i mean the amount of fucking stuff i get a day even on my messages from people either thanking me or asking me deeper layered questions as to why they feel better or what's going on or can they, you know, anxiety, will this help their anxiety or will this, you know, all this, it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on. My asthma doesn't bother me anymore. I, you know, I'm just like, fuck, I, I, that wasn't what I was trying to get into. Like. <laughs> well, just the a, systems,
1: it's all integrated. You right? can't affect when you get a, like a boner pill or something like that. If you would just do something that would make you a happier, more vibrant person, you'd probably get a boner. Right. You know, we try okay. to isolate these individual systems. The fact of the matter is, is if you affect any aspect of your human in a positive way, then you affect every aspect. We got to wrap up because you got to like go to bed and stuff. Ben, that was, that was an hour. We were what? at the bedtime. It's eight o'clock? Yeah, it's eight o'clock right now. Fuck. <laughs> I wanted to say one thing.
0: What? Yeah, go we ahead. got a
1: hot burning thing. What? I think it, in relation to the enough... um, And breathing through the nose and over breathing. Um, The yogis also said like, like in the Vipassana, all that stuff is like, they said, breathe through the nose as though like you can, you can't even feel the, the, the hairs moving as you're breathing. Like there's no disruption. And it's that feeling of, I think that's the way that we can live our lives. And I wonder if there's a connection, which I don't know how we would possibly, I'm sure there'd be a way to actually, um, but a connection to people that are over breathing, they feel like they need more resources. I wonder if that stems out into the way that you actually like live your life, which is pretty freaking interesting. So if you come to that point where it's just like, I've, I'm good. I'm satiated.
0: One, I, I, 100%, 100%, you you spend enough time watching people and learning about yourself, you start to pick up on things. Yeah. Especially people who you kind of know, like in your family, right? (laughs) Like, you're just like, oh, oh, wow, Mm -hmm. that was me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, oh.
1: And what will I be in 20 years when I look back and say that was me? Yeah. That's the other interesting thing, yeah. too. I think, you know, we're always like, oh, man, back when I was like, what the fuck am I right now? I'm sure, I'm sure I know in 15 years I will look back and be like, damn, when I was my present age, I was I was so lost yeah. <laughs> or whatever. Maybe not. Maybe I'll look back. and think I was awesome. We'll see. We got these recordings now.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, <laughs> at, at 44, I look back at like 41 and I'm like, Exa- exactly <laughs> like and and I thought I had my shit like I I was like damn I got I I you know I feel like I'm I'm at the best point in my life well, yeah. Yeah, it just keeps getting better I If guess. you're
1: doing if you're doing the right steps
0: I think so I it think c- so It could
1: keep getting worse
0: Yeah oh yeah you know Yeah well that's when you're looking back on like maybe you know ultra running being your greatest thing
1: Yeah <laughs> like right. that
0: was not my greatest thing
1: So last last thing yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll we'll properly Yeah Terminate. Um, so, if you had to put a label on, like a step that would lead towards betterment versus the other end, what would like one one step be? If you had to, if you had to say something, I hate questions like that. I actually resent myself asking that. But like there that's the reality. Like you could go in two different. We were talking about this earlier. Like vastly different directions. You know, is there any one standout attribute or? I kind of yeah. I kind of hate that question. No, actually, no, I I, I
0: I think there is one.
1: Oh um, really? Good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I I do and and look, I mean the uh, I mean part of me is like, you know, just pay attention to your breathing, but it's like that's nah. Like, sure, go ahead and do that. Like you should. I I do, but here whatever it is you want like if you stay curious the rabbit hole just expands and the knowledge or the understanding of things only grows so regardless of what that is to remain curious means you're humble it, like curiosity doesn't allow for you to become a know-it-all um, you know it, 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 it just it opens up all the doors man Open, like I, I want to hear what you have to say I want to hear what other people have to say about breathing. I want to hear what you you've learned with the ice or training or what you know it does like I, I'm, I'm curious like curiosity kills the whole thing that you think you know something
1: mm-hmm, you know? exactly
0: And so that opens up the door to whatever it is you want to understand and I'm, I, I got curious about breathing because I put on a training mask. That was it. And I was like, oh, I just changed my position. Hmm. And I used my diaphragm. Right. Oh, my God. I've never felt my, like, I've never felt that like that before. You know, and I was in the movement, you know, and I thought I was moving well. Um, you know, and it's just, it, oh, uh, wait, holy crap. Like, I, I can hold a position better when I'm using my diaphragm. Or I want to hold my position. I wonder what's happening physiologically when I do this. Oh, weird. I'm, I'm not like blowing up as <laughs> soon. Oh, I have to pull back more to, uh, to control things. Um, what's happening with my psychology? Oh, oh, it's all connected? Oh, weird. So, you know, and it just kept getting more and more curious about these things and spending time learning about Buteco, spending time with Wim Hof, um, spending time... Um, with, you know, things like, um, I mean, it just goes on and on. It it just like, yo, getting back into yoga and understanding it and reading deep stuff on this. Like it just goes like, it's so deep and like, I'm just, there's people who know far more than I do or understand far more than I do. And like, this stuff is not new. It's so old. And yet it's like brand new again. <laughs> it's yeah. like, you know, it's really.
1: If you want new information, look into old books.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it's that simple. And I think being curious about it, like me being curious about breathing had me looking at what I was doing professionally before in an entirely different way. And I was just like, oh my God, like you could, I could do this with anything. Yeah. You know? And so I think curiosity is really that thing.
1: I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I do the same stuff with the whole like paying attention to the way, the positions I'm at in a day-to-day basis. Though as you're describing, like, wow, oh, I'm paying attention to my breath. Now I'm like, all right, well, now I guess I'm gonna pay attention to my breath all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got to do. All right. Where's the best, where's, how do people, what should people look at for you? What's the best place to point people? What's, what's happening?
0: Uh, power Speed Endurance is easily the best resource center and stuff. Like everything we kind of got into and talked about, especially with, with relation to breath and respiration. There's a breathing resource page on Power Speed Endurance. Um, if they want to get in touch with, or, follow what I'm doing, getting in touch with me might be a little hard, but, um, uh, Instagram is, uh, underscore Brian McKenzie, Twitter's Brian McKenzie. Um, but yeah, that's,
1: I wanted to, I wanted to mention, so I get to like see all these people that are like the, the thought leaders of whatever. And so often I'm sure you've had this experience. Like you meet people and you're like, Oh, you're not really actually doing the stuff. And something that I appreciate about you, it's a very, s- fairly small minority of people that I see that are actually doing all the stuff. They're actually like a practitioner first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I appreciate that well, about
0: you. I, I appreciate you. Yeah. I, I do because you are doing stuff too. Yeah, we're doing the stuff. There, there are so very few people. There's not a lot. Like, and that's why I just don't have room. Like, I'm just like, I don't have the time, man. Like, yeah. you're not even. We couldn't even have a conversation.
1: Yeah. That might be another one thing. Do the stuff.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Stay curious.
1: Do the stuff. All right. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate the conversation. You're welcome. Over and out. Thank you so much for tuning in that conversation. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, we got a couple things to help support that body of yours, one of which is the Align band that people have been really loving, which I'm super grateful for. Um, it is a heavy-duty resistance band. comes along with a door anchor, traveling case, and then an online video guide on how to use that thing. It's my absolute go-to travel tool. I've got it hanging literally from my door right beside me now. Um, use it regularly. Use it with clients. Uh, it can be found at alignpodcast.com slash gear uh, on Amazon, and you can also find it. At Align Band on Instagram. Um, also, we finally did it. We created the Align Method online program, which focuses on unwinding the patterns of staring into technology. Essentially, so forward head posture, rolled forward shoulders, rolled forward spine, kind of like just that hunchy posture thing that um, modern world is is stricken by, Uh, gets into how to align your physical body. So self-care, joint by joint, from ankle to knee to hip to spine to head to neck, etc. Really good stuff. Also gets into lifestyle, um, gets into morning routines, nighttime routines, how to effectively handstand, how to move on the ground, Um, People have been loving that. Thank you all for grabbing it, the ones that have. And if people have any questions about that, you can reach out at Align Podcast on Instagram. I'm happy to support. All right. Thank you, guys. Enjoy your day. Thanks for joining you. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for reviews on iTunes. That's it. Pow.